Welcome to part two of this out of line discussion with Rachel Wynn. I just thought it was so interesting of like the concept of offline reality because that almost implies that what's online is a distortion. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the reasons why I started YouTube was because I wanted my offline reality to also be my online reality. And like, I I just wanted to like break that facade, you know? Mm. So like, I feel like that's kind of maybe something I really feel passionate about. That's cool. I love that. So were you on other social media platforms before you started YouTube? Yeah. So I can like go through like my whole spiel of like. Do it. My, who I am, I guess. Do it. (laughs) Tell me everything. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's see. I started a blog in high school. So I don't want to drop numbers, but that was 11 years ago. <laughs> mm, that's a long time ago in blog blog years. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, there wasn't many bloggers. And actually, blogger wasn't even a word. It was just considered a platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> blogger was associated with blogger.com and not a human <laughs> back then. Uh-huh. So yeah, I had a blog and it was just because my parents were really, really strict and I had no outlet. So I started a blog, couldn't go to winter formal. So I would just sit there and pretend to be like an online fashion editor. I just like loved it. And to backtrack a little bit, I've always found a community online. Like at a very young age, I grew up with the internet, but I also had a childhood without the internet too. So I feel like I'm in a very lucky, small coin generation of like pre-internet, discovering internet, post-internet. Um, but like, I remember joining this website called Neopets. Oh know? my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My siblings love Neopets. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I remember just being like so anxious to go from school to home and just like hop on Neopets. But there I like created this world for myself and it was amazing. Cause it was like such an escape from like the suburban life I was living. Um, and on Neopets, you can do this thing where you can start a guild and then you can like really like schmooze it up with, you know, HTML. So that's why I learned how to code and like design and like make your guild look really pretty. And like the prettier it is, the more people want to join. But what happens on the back end of joining this guild is like there's like a small mini forum where people like just chat all day. They're like, hi. Hi, what are you doing? I don't know. I just got out of school. So that was like my first interaction with having community online. And I like help. I would always foster these communities. It was weird. It's so weird that I think about it now. No, I love that because I think out of all of the guests that have had, no one's mentioned Neopets yet. (laughs) (laughs) And that is like a legit online community and, and social media platform before I think it was necessarily considered social media. Totally. I don't, I really don't think it was. Yeah. But it, it really was social media. And then after that, um, I got into the evolution of what Neopets was. So like a lot of people from Neopets started like their own websites. Mm-hmm. So I remember my first domain I ever bought was cineyum.org. <laughs> okay. My dad flipped out when he 
found out I bought a domain because it was just like the internet's like the wild, wild west. Like what is on it, you Uh know? Um, So I had this domain and we were on this forums, all these girls, like ages 12 to 25. And we all designed websites, like our own websites. And we made like these little pixels with our names on it and we traded it. So we traded like, oh, I'll link to your website if you link to mine. And I mean, it's just so weird. So I like really grew up kind of doing this. Oh, yeah. You're like the most (laughs) OG of all so far. Really? Like the fact that you were coding and doing like follow for follow before follow (laughs) for follow was the thing. (laughs) Yeah. With like these little pixel banners. They're so cute. I found them recently and I was just like diving into like, wow, my childhood. (laughs) Yeah. So how old were you when you started that? Uh, probably like 12. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and really do you still young. code? Um, no. I mean, I coded my website before my update now. I probably can still code because I know I can read the language and understand like what needs to be replaced, yada, yada, yada. I know that much, but that's like as far as it goes. Very superficial. That's all right. I'm an amateur now. Yeah. But that's still cool. Um, what about you keep saying that you were really sheltered growing up? Where did you grow up? Um, I did a bulk of like my substantial growing up in Irvine, okay, which is by Forbes, one of the safest cities in America. It's, it's like so creepy. I think about it now, now that I like live in LA and like every home is different, you know, and like lives are so different here. Um, like Irvine just freaks me out because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a city that, and I could get all the facts and wrong, whatever, but very similarly, what I'm trying to say is Irvine is owned by a city or like, sorry, the city of Irvine is owned by a family. Oh, and it's a corporation. Oh, so like there's no mom and pop shops and there's all these like weird studies they do. They do like um, they don't add gas stations by the freeways because they don't want people to like trick her in. So that's how they are able to keep like all the Oh, that's so interesting. So they just like anything that would keep people interested in like stopping off the freeway. They're like, keep on going. Don't stop. Yeah. That's so interesting. Is it considered Orange County? Yeah. Okay. So is it really religious? No, it's it's a really new city. Okay. So like there's no bars around. It might it might be a little bit different now, but there were no bars growing up. And everything is brand new. Yeah, I've only been there once. I think I went to a, it was like a comedy festival at the state. Is there a stadium? Am I making this up? At Irvine. A Honda, maybe? Like, it was like an outdoor amphitheater. Maybe. I maybe. think it might be Honda. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I was there for that. And um, and afterwards, I was like, oh, I want to try to find somewhere to eat. And it was like everything was chain Everything was like I, w- I was trying to find something that felt original and it was like it kind of felt just like a mall that there was like everything you could think of. But yeah, nothing like you said, mom and pop more like individually owned things. So that's really interesting. So you grew up there and then you left. Yeah. Just to come straight to L.A. Yeah. But when I was down there, I had the blog. So I also went to college there, too. So I was like really growing up there. <laughs> But I feel like growing up on the internet, too, didn't shelter me as much. I was exposed to a lot 
because the internet is crazy. Mm. And so, were your parents upset about that? Um, My dad, when he found out I had a domain, cineum.org, as a 12-year-old, he's like, cut that out. Even though you go on the website and it's so innocent. It's so, so blatantly innocent. It's just like cute pixels and pixel art and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, just imagine growing up in all track homes and like every home looks the same. Every family is the same. It really is like a modern day Stepford Wives. Wow. Because it's such a young city. So like a lot of, there's a lot of immigrant families there. And a lot of Asian Americans too. Because it looks so safe on paper. And it is very safe. Uh, But just imagine like, yeah, like all these immigrant families coming around at the same time, finally established, ready to buy their first home ready to have like their kids go to the same high school. So like even the, the I'm sorry, even the high school I went to, I was the first graduating class in that high school. Oh, wow. So okay. I went into city. this high school as like a sophomore, but I was the, like the highest grade. Yeah. And then I was a junior and I was the highest grade. So I never had like upperclassmen. It was, it was just such a weird way to grow up. That's so interesting. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a younger brother. Okay. Who's like so nerdy. <laughs> He's so nerdy. He lives in Silicon Valley now and like programs and like so brilliant. I remember being compared to him my entire life because he's so smart. Um, And I was just street smart, Mm. which is really ironic because I lived in like track homes. (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. So when you went from Neopets to your own website, then what happened after that? Um, okay, so then I went to high school and I'm like doing the whole high school thing, have a boyfriend and stuff. But then I started a blog and I was like, I want to be a fashion editor. And I was just so bored because I couldn't go to winter formal or prom. And I was like, this sucks. So <laughs> I started my blog Aww. and I didn't tell any of my friends about it, but it wasn't really a thing. And it wasn't really a thing until I got into college where I think more people were starting blogs and it was like becoming of interest in the fashion community. Um, and one of my first things I got offered was like going to New York Fashion Week with, you know, Polyvore or something. And I remember begging my dad, like, can I please go to New York Fashion Week? Like, this is a huge deal. And he was like, no way in hell. No How old were you at that point? Uh, I must have been 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Was, but not a chance. Yeah. But I eventually like just lied to him. And I was like, I did all my homework in advance. And I've talked to all my professors. I like none of them really cared. And he was like, okay, fine. You can go after like two weeks of me begging. So I like, got to go to New York Fashion Week for the first time. Like being in New York by myself for the first time was really cool and then like soon after that the opportunities kept rolling in and you know the next thing coach calls me and he they're like we want you in a national campaign and I was like whoa like as a 19 year old at this point I'm like this is crazy and my dad's like no you just got back from New York there's no way you can go again and he's like not seeing all this but he knew that my education was very very important and it was before like this whole entrepreneurial digital era became such a thing Mm. Um, so I had to beg him for that and he finally let me go. But then one of the memories that really sticks out to me is my dad goes into a coach store 
and he never tells me this, but he goes into a coach store at South Coast Plaza, which is like the nice mall in, in Orange County. And he pulls everyone into the, like all the sales associates together. And he's like, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. Cause like I did a photo shoot with them. He finally let me go. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my picture was like in every single coach store along with like 12 other bloggers. Mm. Um, and he's like, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. <laughs> and I remember going to a coach store cause they like, were like, go to the store, check it out and like pick out a bag. I'm like, cool. So I did that. And then I got to the store and they're like, oh my God, that's you. I was like, yeah, that's me. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, your dad was here the other day. And that's so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. And was that the first time that he realized like, oh, this is kind of a thing? Yeah. And then I also paid for my own education through my blog. And then when my brother went to school, he went to Michigan and his tuition was like out of the roof. So then they looked at me and they're like, oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. And ever since then, like they've been like really cool about it. And yeah, then I moved to L.A. Wow. (laughs) Okay. so what year was it that you started to really have your um, your blog make money? Do you know, like if you were 18 or if you started, um, you know, getting to go to Fashion Week and doing coach campaigns? Yeah. Was that before the bubble even started or was that during the bubble? I think it was before the bubble. Because, like, the coach campaign, I didn't get paid for. I had no idea. Are you freaking kidding me? I had no idea. Wow. That is full. That's that's a story. Literally didn't get paid to be in a coach I was, campaign. I know. I had no idea. Yeah. I was like, this is so cool. It is cool. It is cool. Like, as a 19-year-old, you're like, this is amazing. Um, I had no idea, but I think that just goes to show like how early that was. It was definitely, that would have been early. Did you, um, did you know the other bloggers that were being featured? Was it a thing where you were like, oh, hey, like we all know each other and we all follow each other. Was it already? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like some girls that I like really looked up to. So I was like, oh my God, this is like way cool. That's so fun. (laughs) Was that pre social media? Like was Instagram around then? No, no, no. This is pre Instagram. I think I was doing the blog thing um, maybe three year three years before Instagram happened. Wow. That's amazing. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I had opportunities coming in then, maybe three or four years. Yeah, it's been so long. It's wild. It is. It is. And so what where did things go from the blog to Instagram to then um YouTube? Where did that transition happen? So I have always considered my blog, my static blog, a hobby. I've always felt like it was really cool, but it never satisfied something deeper. It always felt very self-serving and it felt very vapid and superficial. While I loved doing it, I love the aspect of like sharing my life, which first started from sharing my outfits to then wanting to share more of myself. Um, but I just didn't understand how to transition that. So when I moved to LA, it was actually because of another job opportunity. Um, I have a friend that I'm really close to. His name's David. And he had a denim brand. So he used to gift me jeans because he found my blog and thought it was cool. So he used to gift me jeans. And then he started working at Paige as a creative director, Paige Denim. Yep. in the menswear and then he hired me 
um, just based on he likes my aesthetic. So I was like, cool, I've never designed jeans or made a tech pack in my entire life, but I'm down. Yeah. And I moved to LA and I did that for like a year or so. And then, so from there I moved on to doing content production at a company called Shoe Dazzle. Okay. Yeah. And then, so this is probably like year three of living in LA and my friends were all like, start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. And... I started filming myself for a year just to like kind of get used to having camera. What do I talk about? And then I launched like this trailer video um, and it got tremendous traction. And that's when I was like, I can see myself really doing this full time. So I quit my job and started doing YouTube full time. Wow. <laughs> and how long now has that been happening? How many years? That was four years ago. Okay. And so YouTube is like your main income now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a team or is it just you? It's just me, but I just had my first hire. Wow. Yeah. Cool. She's a part-time creative assistant for me. That's so fun. Yeah. So what's it like being a YouTuber and what is the difference between the YouTube world and the, let's say, Instagram blog worlds? Because I, in, in the weird way, you have experience with all three um and not everyone does or everyone the people that do kind of have their main one and they don't necessarily really get the other world super well so totally. what what are your um observations about the differences in the three areas of social media and what just what's it like to try to keep up on all three <laughs> <laughs> well i recently redid my blog because Again, I've I've never felt that connected to blogger blog like the blogspot stuff. So I redid my website, which I feel so at home with because it just feels like an experience of what my brain looks like, <laughs> um, and I love it. So I feel like now I have a website, and it's not a blog anymore because uh, people just stop reading blogs as much as they used to. You know, yeah. it, everyone's kind of like on that one platform, get it all done kick, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. So that's so people stop reading blogs and it's not like, like every blog is on its own website, own domain. So you have, it's like one tab you have to open up and there are like some RSS feed readers, but that's like a whole other tech thing. Um, so I think people just stop reading blogs. So I wanted my website to feel like a website and not a blog anymore. So I feel like people are kind of transitioning their blogs to feel more editorial and mm-hmm. everyone's trying to elevate their content now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. I really can take this conversation probably seven different ways and like really dissect. Um, and then I feel like those bloggers, that traditional blogger kind of doesn't know how social media is evolving too Mm -hmm. because they've been making the same almost lazy content Mm -hmm. for seven years or so now you know Mm -hmm. like it's been a while where whereas like i feel like a lot of the micro influencers don't consider this their main job but they have higher engagement Mm -hmm. and now more opportunities than traditional bloggers because it's just really authentic and it's just like you know lo-fi photos but it's just 
comes with a point of view and like a little bit of soul. I'm not saying that like every blogger doesn't have soul, but it's a lot where people just don't know how to transition their their emotions. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's some people that do really well and others where I'm just like, this is just so manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. There there are definitely blogger voices that are just so highly curated that there isn't any soul to it. And then there are the ones that share so much about themselves that it almost borders into kind of like navel gazing where it's kind of like, all right, what's going on here? Well, um, I prefer that though. Yeah. The latter. Um, and that's, I feel like that's what YouTube is. It's yeah. so voyeuristic. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, um, is it voyeuristic with a purpose or is it more like masturbatory? <laughs> I'm so bad at vocabulary. What does the latter mean? Like, is it just like showing, like, is it like masturbating? Is it just oh, like, this oh, is oh, just oh. for my own. Like stroking like, of the ego, yeah. like a big circle jerk. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. I feel like any sort of influencer work is sort of that. Yeah. You know, it's really self-serving. Yeah. That's what it is. I hear that. I do feel like with YouTube, it lends itself the platform to be a little bit more candid. And why I started YouTube and why I love it so much is one, I feel like I finally have found a community that has a little bit more depth. Okay. And is more interested in like talking about topics, but also it was really a place for me to express myself in a non-disposable way. Like YouTube content just is more thoughtful. It has higher SEO. So people are constantly consuming it. And I could put that much heart and soul into something. And it's not just going to be like a double tap and done. Mm. You know, people will revisit it. People will rewatch it. People don't necessarily revisit Instagram all the time. People might like glaze over your feed and like look at a photo here and there. But like once they double tap, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's sort of done. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting point because uh, I was actually saying in a different episode recently that it amazes me that Instagram has like no SEO. Like yeah. you could be posting, you know, it whether it's whether it's hashtags, whether it's locations, unless that photo is getting pinned on like Pinterest, whereas then it might show up or but like if you Google like cool photos of Italy, like not you're not going to get the Instagram photos unless you open Instagram, which I get that there's a point. They want to keep you in their platform. They don't want you to leave. That's fine. I understand <laughs> they're here to make money, whatever. But for people like for people like you and me who are thinking about, OK, but what about websites and what about SEO and what about traffic and what about like that is kind of a dead end. There's nowhere to take it. Yeah, it's wild. It is. It's really interesting. So, um, how, what, it, what's the difference in your, in your followings on your different channels? What's in terms of either size or engagement or types of people? Like, do you think the same people follow you on Instagram and YouTube? Um, or are they totally different audiences who want different things? I think I've been lucky enough to translate my platform as a personality through all my platforms. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when I started YouTube, it really 
it gave me a voice again. It gave someone a reason to want to like follow me and like see what I do, what kind of videos I make, the kind of music I'm putting on, what I'm doing. Um, and it just got people to really like re-engage with my story. And it gave me a purpose to tell a story. And that trickles through like all my platforms. So most of the people that follow me on YouTube, it really re-engaged my following on Instagram. Not that that was like a direct correlation of something of a goal, you know, but it was, it happened. Um, so I feel like a lot of my audience is on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and I use all of them to like talk to them, I guess. <laughs> That's cool. That's yeah. great. Which platform do you make the most money from? Uh, probably YouTube. Um, just because there's already like the built in, you get AdSense money. So it's just like passive income when people watch your videos. That's just like all on Google's back end. Um, and the fact that you can like link on there, you know, that's a huge thing too. Cause I'll get like, um, like affiliate links. So that's mm -hmm. like more passive income I'll get. Um, and yeah, I mean like in YouTube making a video is so much work mm -hmm. so I can really upcharge like my service for that in like. You know, if a brand wants to come to me, I'm like, yeah, I could do this, but, you know, it's going to cost you a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you do you think that YouTube um, has it changed much as a platform and or um, does it have the same? Because I, I mean, I don't know YouTube that well, except I have a few friends that are like big YouTube people. But other than that, and I don't sit around and ask them about this, so um, I probably should. But anyway, um, you know how Instagram, everybody is always complaining about the algorithms and the chronological feed and meh, 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 meh. Totally. Um, is, are there similar complaints in the YouTube community? Definitely. Okay. Um, to which I haven't found any of those to affect me. I feel like if you make great stuff, people are going to recognize it and want to look out for you, you know? Like YouTube does have its algorithms and sometimes people don't see when their favorite creator is uploaded. I don't know, but I know the people that I really like following, I'm always looking them up mm -hmm. to see. And so then my, their algorithm picks up that I want to see their content. Um, but again, I think that just goes along with like lazy disposable content. That's what a lot of people are making. So of course you're going to get like fallen back because no one's looking out caring enough to be like what is she doing what kind of art is she making mm -hmm. I, I really like to see my youtube channel as like a form of art and in some way like i keep it really really vulnerable with my vlogs but then i also like to make bigger production videos and make something really nice that like just touches somebody you know i i feel like if i can make something that resonates with someone that after they watch it or after they see it they're still thinking about it. Mm. Like, I feel like I've done something right. That's cool. I like it. When it comes to you and what you share about your personal life online versus not, do you have boundaries that you follow or keep? Um, or like you said, when with your vlogs, you just like to be really vulnerable and real. Are you just kind of like anything goes? If it were totally up to me, I would be very anything goes. Um, I'm pretty open. I'm pretty transparent. And the only hard part about being that present to someone else are the people around me. 
Like my boyfriend's very private. So that gets hard. You know, he's part of my narrative. Yeah. And when I was like doing daily vlogging, it was just like, uh, I don't want to be in front of the camera, which led to a lot of, you know, people like wanting to fill in the blanks just because I was so open about myself, but not necessarily like the life around me is given that same permission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get that. Yeah. But when people share your close space yeah, um, and they have different standards or different needs than you do, it's, it's an interesting one to be like, well, how do I, how do I honor what you need and want and still like create the content that I really want to make? Yeah. It's a weird, it's a tough one. It's, it is really tough. So, you know, we've talked through it, we've worked through it. <laughs> and we have boundaries for sure. And then I think I've gotten a little bit more private too. I think when I was vlogging every day, I just felt like people felt entitled mm-hmm. to my way of living, entitled to tell me, entitled to talk about the people I love in a not so positive way. And I'm not expecting everyone to be like positive all the time and like always say nice things. Of course, when you put yourself out there, you put yourself open for like negative feedback too. And I can care less if someone talks shit about me. I really can. I think it's when people talk shit about the people I love Mm. because there was like room for, you know, someone, you know, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being more, it's kind of like I can handle it, but leave them alone. Yeah. And keep, and feeling like, like they didn't ask for this. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling protective and being like, hey, leave them alone. Yeah. And so that made me go, okay, I get where you're coming from. I know you want to be more private. My friends want to be more private. I get it. I've always respected it. But then now seeing that lash, I'm like, wow, that's fucked. Like the internet's so fucked. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, I'll pull back a little bit. Do you find that there are more trolls on YouTube um, than there are on other platforms? Totally. Totally. (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, it's just, I mean, not even on my channel, too, but, like, I see it on other people's channel. Yeah. There's, like, a whole forum that's, like, just so cancerous, and I try not to read it, but I do. (laughs) What, What do they do that's so cancerous? It's just, like, the amount of shit talking and entitlement in like assuming of a person mm-hmm. and what they are it just it's daggering mm. you know mm-hmm. it just when you put yourself on the internet it just you can't protect yourself mm-hmm does that ever affect you personally or affect your mental health or your relationships when people troll you I mean, I don't get a whole ton of trolls, but I know that there's a lot out there. Um, it doesn't affect me. It only affects me when my when they talk about people I love, and that just sucks. Mm. Not that it's, like, happening a ton, that it's, like, a huge burden on my shoulder. Um, but I've, I've even seen people, like, have these huge forms about, like, my friends And it's like, wow, the amount of like negativity and soul sucking and it's just completely unnecessary of like these strangers coming onto this forum to talk about how much they like dislike 
this person's content or like their life and their way of living. It's just so invasive, but I get it. You put yourself on the internet and it's just, you can't protect yourself. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some ways to sort of protect or ground yourself when you want to be in a space like the internet, that's something that is so big and open and like there aren't necessarily boundaries that you can put on other people and be like, you can't, you can't say those words. Like they can, it's the internet. They can do what they want, but how do you protect yourself or have boundaries for yourself so that it doesn't get to you or, you know, suck away your own joy? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. I mean, I think for me personally, I always just have to remind myself that I love doing what I'm doing and there's an amazing community that I feel like I've built for myself that we just, I love creating for them. And I get the most amazing, beautiful emails from girls who are like, you've changed the way I've looked at life or things like that, that I'm just like, oh my God, I'm in this for a reason. And this is so magical to have this sort of connection with a stranger online. And I always have to remind myself that for every like thousand amazing people, there's maybe like one negative person and mm-hmm. that's just who they are. Right. You know, does, I'm not saying they're a negative, bad person, but maybe they just, you know, feel a little entitled to be like, to talk about you mm. because, you know, it's like the internet troll. You're like veiled. So you have no boundaries of what's right or wrong to say. Yeah. Like I have no boundaries of what's right or wrong to say. I probably say things wrong all the time and people are, you know, call me stupid or something, but you know. Yeah. But- it's kind of, um, it's kind of like, uh, I follow Sarah Silverman on Twitter and she gets so many troll hater people. And so does Chelsea Clinton. Oh my gosh. Like oh all day, every day. Um, and I always love watching how they respond because they just sort of like, don't give it any, any energy in terms of their own, like they don't fan the flame by being, by pushing back, but they usually, if they say anything at all, like sometimes Chelsea will like retweet them, but like, she'll add a comment that's like, I hope you have a wonderful day. And that like, whatever's going on in your life is okay soon or something that's just like deep kind of just being like, wow, you're kind of a sad person for saying so many hateful things about someone that you don't even know. Yeah. By the way, I'm a real person. Cause I think that's the other thing. It's so easy to interact with people online and feel like they're not real people. And so you can say whatever you want to them. Cause I mean, they would never say it to your face. If they were sitting right here, they would never call you stupid or talk terribly about your friends um, to your face. Totally. But it's a lot easier to just sit behind a computer screen and just troll away. So I think even just like acknowledging it to the point of saying like, hey, by the way, I'm a real human and I saw that um, can sometimes be a good reminder of just like, oh, the internet is full of actual humans. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. I know. I saw this one thing that Sarah Silverman did where she was just like, had this troll. And did you see this? Where she broke him down and was like, what's going on in your life? And then he like, they had this conversation where it was like developing Uh and unraveling him live on the internet. And then it ended up like he broke down to her and then she offered him help. I did see that and I thought that was it was amazing. Pretty, yeah. But that's, I think that's the thing. And not everyone has the status or the time or the finances to put that much time and energy into a troll. But 
it was a really great reminder of like, oh, that's probably more common than we realize with people who pour time into hating on strangers that they've never met before. Um, so yeah, I, I was inspired by that story. I think she's rad. I love her. Yeah. But it's funny because you say people feel like they can hate someone that they don't know on the internet. But the thing is, is they think they know you because yeah. you've given, you've opened up enough where they're entitled to the opinions on your life. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. I had a couple of months ago, I had um, the artist Lisa Congdon who lives in uh, Portland. She's an amazing artist. She actually did uh, my logo for my website. She's oh, cool. Yeah, I love her. Anyway, she her episode was all about what it's like to um, have people feel like they know you on the internet and to, you know, go around and even just be like teaching a class and have people come up and talk to you like you should know who they are because they know they think they know who you are. Oh, it's yeah. such a thing. Especially in LA. I feel like you just never know. I feel like I see so many familiar faces. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I know you? Or did I just watch something that you were in? <laughs> yeah. Or do I like follow you on Instagram <laughs> Loki? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. So I have a partner for this podcast and um i do a question with them every episode because they are really into taking risks when it comes to creativity and that's why i love them because they took a risk on me with this podcast before i even started it they wrote to me and were like hey we love what you do do are you doing anything new and cool and i was like yeah maybe a podcast i haven't even launched it yet and they were like we we love you we trust you and i think that that is such an amazing thing in the creative world when you have people that trust you and when you have people that believe in you and the risks that you're going to take creatively before you've even stepped out to do them so love them cat footwear are my my heroes and like oh, my no diehards. i love them yeah they're That's the best so cool yeah they're I love cool. them yay um so i want to know about a time that you were about to take a risk creatively maybe something with either a client or a brand or for yourself where you were about to change platforms and like focus a lot of your energy into something or maybe you were about to quit a job to put your time and energy into your own work um and can you tell me about a time that you took a risk creatively and what you used as your support to just like get over the fear of it all hmm i mean i think like a very uh easy answer would be like starting the youtube channel of course but i'm gonna pick a different answer and i'm gonna say it was hiring somebody because it was really hard I feel like I'm a terrible boss because I just have very high expectations of people that I like when I was hiring interns I was like wow you really don't know anything (laughs) and like to trust someone to to I don't know I've gone through a few assistant slash interns and I was just like this is awful and I finally was like I'm gonna try to get one that's paid like I'm gonna pay someone because clearly the free ones just aren't working out I feel like when you pay someone, it just changes the ballgame a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, so bringing someone on, I feel like was a risk. But I don't know. I don't even feel like it was risky. I just feel like it was very vulnerable 
to invite someone into my life because I feel like if I'm going to have an assistant, I'm going to go all in with her. Like I'm not going to like, she's going to be with me in, in my apartment and like we slept in the same bed in New York, you know, like, um, that was kind of like a scary step for me. And also financially too, it was like, okay, so this is like on top of my rent and my car payment and my insurance and cars and da, 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 da. Uh-huh. you know, so yeah. That, yeah. that was kind of scary, Yeah, but it's been amazing and really, really, uh, really thankful to have her. Um, we are working on something that is going to be a bit of a risk. You don't want to say too much about it, but, um, I'm working on something that will expand my community right now, uh, in a way that I haven't seen anyone do before. Ooh. So I don't want to put my ideas out there. No, you don't have to. Um, I'm really excited about this. What do you do to get you through the seasons like right now where it is like exciting and scary what keeps you going knowing that you're on the right path and trusting your own creativity we haven't even like gone through like bridget was really helpful in helping me brainstorm all this and really comes from the other side of the audience mentality that i'm trying to like really hone in on um so I haven't really feel like I've gone through the grunt work yet to like really feel it. Like right now it's such like a grandiose idea and like something that's, oh, I can feel it, I can touch it, I can see it. But man, there's gonna be so much work before then. And like, who knows where my mind will go through the grunt work of it all. I almost have to like work on my manifesto and objectives first. So it's like something I can constantly refer back to of like why I'm doing this in the first place. Cause I feel like once you start getting into like the nitty gritty busy work, you can easily forget what your purpose was. Mm. So I, I, I feel like I'm not even there yet to be like, how do I keep myself in check? Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's so exciting. I can't wait to hear what it is. Yeah. What about your self-care routine what do you do when you just need to unwind take care of yourself chill girl i have this whole video that you should watch i'll link it i'll link it in your in your your podcast episode um i just did this video that's um called the new year new me okay and it's my whole reset routine yes so i went and did like kind of an audit of my life from what I like to look at four houses. Um, and I think everyone has like maybe slightly different four houses, but my houses were my physical space, my mental space, um, my body and my digital life. So I went through like this three-step process for each house on like, okay, first we got to detox everything. So I wanted to detox my body. I wanted to detox my declutter, my physical space. I wanted to, you know, delete everything off my hard drives and my iPhone and, Um, all sorts of things. And then I went into like organizing all those four houses. And then I went into, um, I forget, but it's all in the video. Cool. Yeah. So it was like this whole routine, which I feel like I really need to do now because I feel feel like I've been traveling and I haven't had like mental space to myself. Yeah. So, so I'm going to do that whole thing again. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sounds amazing. Every like three months, no big deal. <laughs> um, what about do you, is there anything that you do on like a weekly basis or anything like massages or spas or baths or wine or anything that you're like, oh, this is the thing that just makes me take care of myself? I always try to like r- do like a quick audit mentally of where my life has gone this past week. Like, did I get a lot of work done? Did I put in like romantic time with my boyfriend and give him attention? Did I call my family? Did I see my friends? I always think I need to touch one of those spaces at least once every single one of those. I need to have like a, a date night with my boyfriend. I need to like see a group of friends at least like once a week. Um, so I always like try to keep track that way. And I like to do like these mental things where like, okay, a hundred percent of my time, how is it being delegated? Like, and I'll kind of reevaluate that. And then based on that, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen my friends in two weeks. I'm going to go have like girls night or something. So I'll do that. And then like skincare and stuff. I like, I'm very good at that. Like I do not go to sleep without like taking off my makeup and putting on like seven steps of skincare after. So, oh, wow. Yeah. What about if you're drunk? I still do it. <laughs> I feel like there's only been two to three times in my life where I fell asleep with my makeup on. Wow. Mine would be like two to 3,000 times. No, no, I don't know about that much, but I'm way better at it now. I used to be a little little bit of a slacker. I would just be like, oh, I don't want to. But now I'm very. You have to. I mean, at the very, very least, the very minimum, at least just get like Bioderma or whatever it's called. Biosance. I forget. Just cotton pad. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Take it off. Yeah. You have to. You friends have to. don't let friends sleep with makeup on. <laughs> like if my friends crash at my place drunk, I will take their makeup off for them. <laughs> I will never let my friend sleep with her makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> That's love. I heard that the every time you go to sleep with makeup on, it ages your face. Like totally. I believe it. Oh my gosh. That is so stressful. How do I undo what I've done? <laughs> no, your skin looks amazing. Oh, thanks. You're, you're very sweet. <laughs> now tell me... Uh, what is something that you believe that you have in common with every every other human? All the people on the planet, What's no matter what age, race, gender, sexuality, political stance, what's something that you could look at them and be like, we share this thing? Um, such a good fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have, you know what? We, I was out... Um, for my friend's birthday, we're all at dinner and we did this thing where we're like, oh, let's all talk about like our favorite qualities of each other. And my friend, one of my really good friends said something about me that I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was like that. But yeah, I can see it. And I'm going to fucking own that because I love that. Um, And she said that I have the ability to make people feel really comfortable. So maybe, I don't know. I think I can just look at everyone like we're all looking for connectivity mm-hmm. and then not pretending that like there's these hierarchies to jump through or like these sort of statuses to overcome and just know that like we're all looking for someone to understand each other. Like that's what we all want. So if we can just, if I can just break down through all the fluff right away and just be like, I know you. I know you just want someone to hold your hand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's all what we want. And I think 
it's does that does that answer the question it absolutely does yeah no it answers the question because i think you're what i'm hearing is that you um you really see in people the need and the desire to feel comfortable and to feel seen and known and to feel like they can be themselves with another human and i think yeah like human we're very social beings like even introverts don't want to usually don't want to be alone for their entire lives without any other human connection and even in terms of our evolution with our brains i mean they scientists do studies on like babies that aren't ever touched or held and like their brain development is different from a baby that's just touched and held and Mm -hmm. and so even that the way that our brains respond to other human connection yeah um, i think like science would agree with you oh thanks (laughs) i I like i got science scientifical in here is that even a word i also always throw in words that like i made up (laughs) that's cool i'm into it scientifical scientifical with rachel (laughs) it's your new uh your new channel name i love it no um yeah scientific um i'm like the most non-science math person in the world so the fact that I just brought science in to back us up might be... Uh, That's very impressive. <laughs> it's a dark day. You're like, I knew this. Yeah, it's a, it's a rainy day. It is. It is. I blame the rain for our scientifical... Scientifical. <laughs> That's not a word, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Oh, damn it. <laughs> You've been listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?